This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarandos, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy, AJ Signary. AJ, say hello to the people. Hey, people. Ah, see, he paused there, which is always a bizarre thing that he does to make me feel nervous that we've lost contact. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, today's show, we're going to be focusing on Donald Trump's cabinet appointments and a couple other things that are going on in the news. But we decided, if you listen to our show on a regular basis, chances are you've heard us make, well, I'd call them frequent references to the WWE. Uh, I am a diehard WWE fan. AJ is a fan of the WWE, or at least was, and I think is more just amused by the fact that I, at 34 years old, still love the WWE, and he uses it uh, repeatedly to try to make certain points. And we've used examples during the campaign of how Trump uh, turned politics into pro wrestling, which we thought was funny at the time, and as South Park likes to put it, we didn't listen. We We didn't think about how not funny it would actually be. So now that we've elected a WWE Hall of Famer, that's a thing, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, from his participation in WrestleMania 23 in Detroit, which I was at, um, I swear to God, the latest cabinet appointments came out on on Wednesday, and the one that stuck out to me, and I imagine to AJ and to a lot of you out there and a lot of the late night people have been having fun with... Is that the new administrator for small business, as my dad pointed out, she'll be in charge of the SBA, is Linda McMahon. And if you're not entirely sure what to make of Linda McMahon, I offer to you into evidence the following scene from a 2002 wrestling storyline where Vince McMahon has been cheating on his wife while she has been catatonic in a wheelchair, up to and including while she sat in the wheelchair and Vince shoved his tongue down the throat of a 19-year-old wrestler, who I still argue is the most beautiful woman on the planet, Trish Stratus, which all culminated in this moment. Humbly, truthfully, apologize for my actions. I didn't come here for an apology. You read my lips. I want a divorce. So that was Linda McMahon telling Vince McMahon in the ring in front of 30,000 people, I assume somewhere in one arena that we've all heard of, telling him that she wants a divorce. And I think it would be important. At this time, AJ, to tell the absolutely true, not wrestling story based history of the McMahon family. How do you feel about that? I, I, I don't know how I feel because as everything that's coming down the wire of who he's going to have in his cabinet and Linda McMahon being, you know, one of many, what the fuck is this kind of thing. Um, I really don't know. Um, for those who don't know about the McMahons, um, I believe like their combined net worth is like somewhere between one point five billion. But she actually has eight hundred and forty million of her own stock that she has. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that you know, goes she was back CEO to the CEO from ninety seven to nineteen ninety seven to two thousand nine. Yeah. Uh, and then she ran as a senator, a Republican Senate candidate in Connecticut for 12, uh, 2010, I think in 12 as well. 
um, which was a hundred million dollar campaign when she ran those. Um, which, to her credit, they didn't take a lot of money for special interest. It was paid out of her pocket. So I, I, I just want to point that. Look, I, do you mind if I go off for a second here about something that's kind of funny? That's it's weird to me, but I, I will bring it up. What's uh, that? I actually respect the McMahon family as a business organization i really do um there are a lot of things about how they run their wrestling organization storyline wise that drives me absolutely batshit bonkers but that's because i'm a fan of the of the product the truth is when it comes to how they run their business they they have done a lot of really cool things they do a lot of charity stuff you know there's always been that story about the nfl and the uh uh the 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 breast cancer awareness stuff that they do and how that money doesn't actually go to breast cancer awareness, that it just, like, 90% of it goes back into the team's coffers. Uh, the McMahons, for the last, like, 15 years, have run several charities uh, during their shows, and I think it was last reported that 87% of donations that they generate go to the actual charity that they're talking about. And there are things about them that I really do enjoy. I actually love Vince McMahon as a businessman. I actually think that as far as guys like him, he's a very kind dude in a weird way now again the problem that you're gonna have aj with talking about this is that they have serialized the storyline of their family so much that it is very strange to try to figure out where the reality is and where the 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 fake is because vince has publicly admitted in interviews that he cheated on linda but nobody knows if that's actually true or if he was doing it to promote the Vince McMahon character, right? And apparently backstage, there's two things. There's Mr. McMahon, which is the wrestling character, and then there's Vince, who's this, like, apparently very down-to-earth guy who just enjoys pranking people and then runs his empire like a miser. It's, it's, it's a weird, bizarre thing. But Linda McMahon did run a small business. When they first got to WWE way back in 1981, it was a small regional promotion. And look, through a lot of aggressive moves that a lot of people say, in retrospect, other people could have made, they just happened to be the first ones to go national with cable. They took over the wrestling industry so much so that in 2001, they defeated Ted Turner's owned, at that point AOL Time Warner owned, WCW, and bought it for $4 million. They ran a business with competition and did a very good job. So as fun and weird as it is that Linda McMahon will now be an actual member of the cabinet, of the picks that he's made, it's the only one where the person picked actually has some qualification in the thing that they will be administrating, which is so fucking strange. But there's also this, and I feel that this is very important for people to know. Donald Trump said many times, I will drain the swamp of Washington, and I will get rid of the idea of people paying for participation. Linda McMahon and Vince gave Donald... $10 million throughout this campaign. $6 million directly to the to the campaign and another 4 to the or sorry, 4 million to the campaign and 6 to the foundation during this during the, to the Trump Foundation during their during the campaign. Okay? That was a thing. So he basically got bribed to anoint her to the cabinet, which is not an accident and had to be, at least in my opinion, part of a plot 
by the McMahons to legitimize their family because you know, AJ, and I'll turn it over to you at this point, you know that they are not treated the same in the rich world that they would like to be. You know what I'm saying when I when I mean that? That they are looked down because they, in the world of high finance, they are carny folks. Is, is what I'm saying make sense? It does, and there's, there's some things to, um, you know, I guess, yeah, I mean, the things you point out is, is true. I mean, you're, you're talking about an organization, WWF, WWE, that it was a very, very small thing at one point. And then, you know, we've discussed and some of our us wrestling fans have discussed, you know, how that's been monopolized over time, you know, um, for various reasons. Um so, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, sure. I mean, I, I do agree that this once regional um, wrestling outfit is now a multi-million dollar, if not billion dollar, um, organization that is, you know, part of the pop culture fabric, you know, and a lot of, you know, wrestling superstars have done that. That's because of Vince's doing and Linda's doing. That's because of the um, storylines. That's because of events that they've done. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I've always been a fan of them because, as you said, the WWE has really weaved between what we're seeing on TV and reality. And that's why, you know, I look at the WWE and Trump because Trump essentially is doing the same thing. You know, he has Celebrity Apprentice. He's doing these other things. He's in pop culture, but then he also weaves himself into the private sector. Now he's weaving himself into the public sector. Now you have the McMahons doing the exact same thing. You know, they're, they're part of the private sector, they started small, now they're big, and now they're in this public sector, Linda at least is, and, you know, who's to say what she's going to do and everything? Because if I hear the word small business administration and a director of such, you know, why not just have someone who is small business, you know? The WWE is not small anymore, you know? They were small, they got big, and sure, Linda could provide how one can go from Main Street to whatever street. But why not just have, you know, someone who still has, is still still part of Main Street and everything, you know, and then the, the, the post that you, my post that you commented on, which I still think is one of my more clever ones, you know, uh, I, I really don't want to see gold dust pawn shops or beefcake uh, barbershops anymore, you know, I mean, I really want to see someone in, you know, small business administration that's really in touch with the common man, and I, I don't think, you yeah, know, Daddy. Linda's going to do that. I don't know what you're talking about, Daddy, if you want to have the common man, you need to get the son of a plumber come up out of the south doing everything that he can to make sure that you are going to be good, baby. Otherwise, you're going to have Linda McMahon in charge of small business, and they're going to run it into the ground because the minute they think that there's competition to themselves, they are going to come at you. Exactly. Because I'm the American dream, Dusty Rose. I couldn't help it. I, I didn't want to do it, but I had to say it at the end. Look, we have fun with this, ladies and gentlemen, because it's Linda McMahon. And I have been watching Linda McMahon on television for almost 15 years. And I actually, it's really weird, love the woman. I actually respect the hell out of her. She is a tough 
ball buster of a ch- of a chick, and I'm not trying to be dismissive about it, but she came up in an industry that is male dominant and really carved out a spot for herself in that company um, and on television, to be honest with you, as the center. Now, her acting was never great. Her promos sucked. She wasn't obviously ever going to be a wrestler, but she was an integral part of that company for so long. During its most uh, expansive period, she is the CEO when that company went public in 1999. So there's an aspect of this that makes sense in an actual real world thing. But the problem with her and that family is I truly, truly do not know where reality and fiction are and like you just pointed out the trump phenomena is the same deal we don't really know what he actually believes because he says so much contradictory or contradictory shit that it is impossible to know where he stands on a lot of these issues and then he goes out and he look we can look at the linda thing and it's fun and it's a nice little joke but the truth is ben carson has been nominated to be the, the secretary of housing and urban development he has said himself he is not qualified to run an agency like that, which, again, you ran for president. I don't think you understood what you were doing then because you were asleep at the wheel, but whatever. But now he's going to be Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. And why is he going to be that? Because he's black. That's literally the reason that choice was made. And the issue is he's not qualified in any way to run that department. If you had said Ben Carson is going to be Surgeon General, it'd be hard to find an argument because he's a doctor, right? That makes sense. Oh, but au contraire, mon frère. Okay, I'm not... Look, yeah, you're right. Bobby Valentine is now going to be the ambassador to Japan. Okay, I saw you post that. Is that 100%? That's... that's. I'm going through various things right now, and it, it looks like that's going to be a real thing. Bobby Valentine. Bobby Valentine. For those of you who don't know who Bobby Valentine is... Bobby Valentine. Bobby Valentine was the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays and then the Boston Red Sox. He was the manager in 2003 when the Red Sox got swept by the Yankees. Um, or No, went to seven games against the Yankees and lost because he left in Pedro Martinez too long. And if you go to the following year, Terry Francona becomes the manager of the Red Sox and takes one of the first World Series and I think at that point, 84 years. And... A lot of people say that it was because Bobby Valentine wasn't good enough to be their manager. He was the manager of the New York Mets during their 2000 run to the World Series where they lost the Subway Series to the Yankees. It's it's nuts. This dude is a baseball manager. He's not in any... The only reason it makes sense is, for those of you who don't know, Bobby Valentine, former Major League Manager, has been managing, uh, I think, they're the Tokyo... Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they, The Tokyo Knights, I think, is the team. Or am I confusing that with the... Um, <laughs> Tom Selleck movie. Uh, hold on, I want to make sure. About that movie. Yeah, but I, I think the Tokyo Knights are actually from that. Um, oh no, he was. Yeah, he was the manager for the Yumuri Giants. That's who he managed. Um, but he knows Japanese baseball. He knows Japanese, but that's all he knows. He just lived in. It's literally like I. He he knows Japan because he managed baseball there, and that Did is. Did you see my follow up to my post on that? No. If if by this logic, like Linda McMahon, if if, if logic, if 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 we're picking people like this, Linda McMahon, Bobby Valentine, um, whoever, you might as well put Don Sterling as the equal oppor- equal employment opportunities commission director. 
Yeah, what's the problem with that? I don't see a problem. He's a, he's a successful, he's a successful uh, sports team owner. I don't see what your issue is. He he doubled the value of his team. You're right. You're right. I'm just saying, like that's the that's the only thing I can think of. Like, there's so many of these. He appointed an EPA commissioner or an, a director of the EPA who doesn't believe in climate change and thinks that the EPA shouldn't exist, right? Or the guy or the CEO for Hardee's. Right, there's that. Then there's the guy, uh, Steve Munchen, who was uh, with Goldman Sachs for 15 years. And it, it, it's just, it, ah! Then there's, then there's your favorite guy. Okay. Yeah. Todd Ricketts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So someone from the Cubs is the deputy communist secretary. Look, if there's any, if there's ever been any more evidence to me as to that this will be an evil administration, that's about the one. You hey, know. but this plays in your favor, though. How's that? Because they'll hurt the Cubs somehow. Because the Rick, well, that the Ricketts is now part of the Trump administration. So you, my friend, you need to be the lead organizer to stop people going to Cubs games next summer. Uh, yeah, it's called blow up Wrigley Field. It's very easy. <laughs> Just. I mean, you could be with people in it. Hopefully, you can you can be that cult of personality. Of people will put you on their shoulders and carry you off the streets. And because we cannot have someone in the Cubs organization in the Trump administration, you know, it's funny. But when you say cult of personality, there is literally <laughs> only one thing that pops into my head. That's right. In my now the problem is that going back to the WWE thing, I don't think of this as Living Color the band. I think of this as CM Punk's entrance music. Which, if there's one person I actually want to hear about, hear from about the Linda McMahon cabinet appointment or the Trump administration in general, or who I'd love to go back to working for the WWE to give political <laughs> promos, it would actually be CM Punk. CM Punk. Oh my God! Could you imagine him right now, like knowing that they support Donald Trump and knowing CM Punk even a little bit as to like what he stands for as far as civil rights, because he actually cares about that kind of shit. Like, oh yeah, I mean, you want to talk about breaking the fourth wall? Oh my God, that dude! <laughs> and it, could you just imagine how fun that would be to watch him for like an hour just rip on them? For oh, wait till a, March. He'll be back in the WWE. Oh, I think yeah, I think he's coming. I don't know if he's coming back for WrestleMania, but I bet he'll be uh, on the first episode of Raw of the New Year because he's out of. Oh, he'll be at WrestleMania. You like, think so? The very last second. You think so? Like a surprise, Punk comes from the stand, from out of the crowd, and you know does his kick and yeah, end of WrestleMania, and we'll see you in Raw. Well, if we're lucky, then we can get some good matches between him, uh, Kevin Owens, and. Uh, I don't know, just keep him away from Roman Reigns. I hate Roman Reigns. Um, this is such a weird time, dude. I, I, I we're, we're making jokes and we're, we're trying to. Times. I mean, this is the fun part. I, I think it was Trevor Noah on the Daily Show said, you know, this is like waiting in line. This is like the, the next four years are going to be a roller coaster, but we're we're still waiting in line. The roller coaster hasn't even truly started yet. Like this is this is just the setup to everything, and it's nuts. And this. Here's the thing that gets me the most, AJ. If Barack Obama had won in 2008 or 2012, and it started appointing people who were so fundamentally opposed to them, I like to believe that liberals would have raised holy hell objections about what was going on. I don't think... I think that the, the, the problem that I have with the conservative voter base that put Trump in office is they don't live in a world where they can even question what's going on the, the i think one of the reasons that i've always identified more with the liberal side of things is liberals are open to criticism 
They really are, for the most part. Like, even a Hillary Clinton is open to changing a position if the public goes the other way. Now, she does it strictly for political reasons, but it made sense, right? Like, for her to suddenly go against TPP, which she was totally for up until the start of the campaign. But at least she was open to the idea of changing her position. Conservatives are so into the demagogue thing that they are not even acknowledging that everything that he's doing is fucked up. Everything. And now I want to get into the one that I really do want to talk about. I posted the video last night, and and, and, and it really did speak to me. Um, Michael Moore was on Seth Meyers. Did you see the clip I posted? Yeah. I mean, I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to re-watch that again because I really wanted to fully understand where Michael Moore was coming from. All right. Well, I want to play it right now, AJ, for everybody. I want them to get an opportunity to hear it because it is incredibly important. And as I said in the post where I shared this video, there are a lot of things about Michael Moore that I do not like. There are a lot of things that I disagree with him on. But I have never in my life been more in agreement with this man. This is from the end of a clip from Late Night with Seth Meyers on NBC. Uh, Listen to this. And he's got to get up in about three and a half hours to start tweeting again. Yeah. So, So... Seriously, with all due respect, uh, Mr. President-elect, um, on our behalf, you have to pay attention. You have to attend these briefings. This is our country. This is our security. This is our safety. You're horsing around with all this nonsense, and you're not doing your number one job, and the number one job of the president is to make sure that the country is safe. And I beg you, seriously, I'm, please, uh, not... There's no right or left Republican Democrat going on here. I'm asking you to to do your job for the sake of the people who may end up dead because you didn't do your job. We had this happen once before. We had this non-engaged president who wasn't reading his briefs. You don't even attend the briefs. So I'm begging you to do that. I'm begging you to get up in the morning, send out your tweets to whoever, criticize him, not me. And then, God, please, attend well, the briefing. And now attend the you... briefing. So that was Michael Moore and Seth Meyers talking about the lack of um, effort on Donald Trump's part attending his security briefings. He mentions that George Bush uh, had been, earlier on in the clip before we started playing that part, he mentioned that George Bush had been handed briefings um, that said that Osama bin Laden was planning on attacking with airplanes and because he was on vacation at his ranch, chances are he missed that warning because he went out fishing later in the day. And he makes the argument very simply that your job as President of the United States of America is to defend this country and to be ready to protect it from security threats. And I believe the stat as of yesterday was in the first 30 days of his administration, Donald Trump has attended... Three security briefings. Now, he is the president of the United States is given a national security briefing every single morning. This is what happened during the day yesterday. This is what happened last night. This is what we can prove. This is what we can't. This is what we are thinking. This is where troops are in Pakistan. This is where the troops are in India. This is where, you know, we found madrasas in, uh, in these sections of Africa, in the Middle East. And Donald Trump seems not interested in dealing with with the very real repercussions of the fact that he is now fucking president. 
A lot of people have been joking, AJ, that he never really wanted the job, that it was all promotion for his brand. And maybe that is true. Maybe it's not. I don't care. But America called your bluff. You have to do the fucking job. You have to know the stuff that the rest of us don't know. We honestly, honestly, this is the truth, AJ. I don't think most of us really want to know it. If you really think about it, do you really want to? You and I spend every day reading political news, reading the news, okay, all day. Most people don't understand what that's like. It is like diving in every single morning into a pile of unending just shit. I read stories about kids being killed. I read stories about, uh, I don't even know, like a terrorist attack. I read stories about women having their clitorises forcibly removed in some countries. We, we read these stories. We follow them. We follow the story of Vladimir Putin killing on the street in front of the Kremlin his most uh, vocal opposition. These are the things that you and I know about just because we read the fucking news. Can you imagine what's in the daily security briefing for the President of the United States? And it is his responsibility. He is, for lack of anything else, going to be our president. He needs to know what's going on. Even if, by the way, he's going to delegate most of that responsibility to his vice president, he needs to know what he's going to be delegating. Does that make sense what I'm saying? No, absolutely. And, you know, today, I think it was today, Kelly... Conway, you know, people were asking him about spare time and everything. And Kellyanne Conway, you know, and, and part of her statement said, you know, the idea that these men are going to be all work and nothing else all the time is just unrealistic because it never happened in our lifetimes. <sighs> so, I mean... That was a reaction to what Trump has been critical of because Obama has been golfing in, like, Hawaii and elsewhere and everything else. And so this idea that Trump needs spare time, and this is also, you know, in lieu of, um, you know, Trump still remaining as the executive producer for Celebrity Apprentice and everything, um, as a, you know, that's going to be part of a spare time is to focus on that role that he plays as well you know it's i just don't get that you know you're in a position you know i mean this is not a figurehead position this is supposed to be a position that you got elected and you're supposed to manage and administer um things that need to go on the daily on the operation ends of this country and everything you know the the congress is supposed to legislate and talk about the ideas and possibly put them as policy and everything the executive office is supposed to you know look it over and making sure how that's going to be administered and everything and then the judicial branch is supposed to you know uphold those policies and everything but if you're just going to just be a figurehead like the queen of england or anyone else then get the fuck out honestly i mean if you're just going to have people run the day-to-day operations and you're just going to be there because you just want to add one more thing to your resume or whatever um uh fulfillment being fulfilled with your unhappiness then get the fuck out i mean it's 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 quite simple well, it's funny because the, the the joke that we've made, and it's not even a joke, but the statement that a lot of us have made is you, you, you'll occasionally hear people say the following sentence. Well, he won't even last his first year. He'll get impeached. 
And a lot of us, you and I included, have said, well, that's actually terrifying because Mike Pence in many ways is worse. And then I thought about it. And I really did, AJ. And this is really going to scare the shit out of... Uh, this scares the shit out of myself. But in that scenario where we tend to... Especially progressives, we tend to focus more on social policy from the president. What is he going to do as far as people's rights? What is going to happen as far as abortion and Supreme Court nominations and all that kind of stuff? But really, the president's main job is national security. That is his main function. And I swear to God, if he's not going to attend briefings, then he needs to step down and give it to Mike Pence. And I hate Mike Pence. I do not like him. But what I also don't like is the idea of a president not being aware of what's happening and not taking the proper action to be protective of us. There's, I've actually been reflecting on, on this, on something for a little bit. And it's, it's, I, I told everybody after the election, I've said it on the show a couple times, I've told you this on and off the air, that I've been watching the West Wing uh, since the election because it makes me feel better. Um, which is fucked up, but that's the truth. Here's something I thought about, though, AJ. There's a scene in an episode, it's like season three, season four, and a submarine goes missing. And the name of the episode is Gone Quiet. It's episode 311, and I swear to God, I know that off the top of my head. Um, I'm, I'm double-checking it right now. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Uh, did I get it right? I did. That's awesome. It's, oh, no, it's episode seven. Son of a bitch. Um, here's the thing. In that episode, the submarine goes missing. Martin Sheen playing the president is on his way to the Situation Room. And as he's doing that, they're doing the Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, right, that we're all familiar with. And they've parodied it on a lot of stuff. But in the process of walking there, he's being educated by the idea that if a submarine detects a, a possible hostile threat, they will go deep and shut down all radio communication because they don't want to give away their position. It's like the one thing that a submarine has going for it, right? And the, he walks into the Situation Room. He's briefed by uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, who is wonderfully played by the guy who plays Fitz Wallace, uh, one of my favorite characters on the show. And they go around the room, director of national intelligence, CIA director, um, Homeland Security. They literally go through the room. What does everyone think that we should do? National Security Advisor, who is Nancy McNally on the show. They, they, they brief the president, and they explain what's happening. And then he makes the decision, all right, we will wait 10 hours. If we don't hear from them in 10 hours, we're going to go with a rescue mission to go find these guys because I will not lose Americans in the water when we don't have to, right? And then he sits and waits for 10 hours, and the whole idea is that he's, he's giving them the time to possibly come back. Yes, it's fiction. I would argue that right now fiction is almost more important than nonfiction because nobody believes nonfiction anymore. Nobody believes the news. Nobody believes the media. So through fiction, I, I extrapolated this in my brain. Do I trust Donald Trump in that moment to, during the walk to the Situation Room, be briefed, to sit down, ask the important questions, gather the information, reflect on it, think about it like strategy, like chess, honestly, because that's what it is, realize the situation, the importance of the situation of a submarine being lost in North Korean waters and what that could mean for foreign policy going forward if they're discovered, and then make the decision to be patient. I don't trust him to do that. And that is a policy, and that is a thing that can happen on a daily basis. You will lose contact with troops in certain areas. Put it to you another way. If there are troops who are stationed in Afghanistan, who for whatever reason go radio silent, even if, let's just say, they lose power for a day, 
Do you trust Donald Trump to wait the 24 hours to make sure that we can regain communication? Or do you think that he would launch a massive, even a rescue mission, which his heart is in the right place? I'm not saying that it's not in that scenario, but there is an intricacy to this stuff. There's a there's an understanding of policy that even I, as intelligent as I may occasionally think that I am, which I really I don't, but let's say that... It sounds really stupid, but just from playing strategy games, you have to learn the nuance of the world that you are in control of because you are the leader of the free fucking world. And you do not have the luxury nor the right to be flippant about it. And I am legitimately afraid of the long-term implications of a president who is so not interested in doing stuff that he is legitimately making an argument that he can be president from New York City. What the fuck? I now stop ranting. I think that was seven minutes, AJ. So feel free to respond to any of the craziness that I just said. No, it's just... <laughs> I mean... Are I you terrified? I you, to... you terrified now, too? Did I scare you? Well, no, I just don't... I, I don't think I should like reiterate the very thing about my hatred towards Trump and the administration. Um, it, it's the very thing I thought was going to be happening. This is the worst-case scenario. Um, I've said it multiple times during the campaign and everything that it's not really Trump we should be paying attention to. It's the people that surround him. And we're looking at the people who are surrounding him. And, you know, I, I, I would never have guessed in a million years it would be like the CEO from Hardee's, Linda McMahon, um, Todd Ricketts, um, Ben Carson for housing and urban development. But at, but I knew that it was going to be people that he was going to choose that will not serve the best interest for what this nation needs to be and everything. And, and it just goes more and more, you know, my inner, you know, social anarchist inside me. It's like, I'm like, I'm like, this is the very fucking thing that we've been telling people all these years is that this is why government doesn't work. This is why we need to be more focused at the ground level and focus in our communities and build alternative institutions and everything. This is the very thing, you know? And if people just don't, cannot realize that now, then I'm sorry. You're just so fucking dumb. I'm saying that I have no other words for it. I mean, if, if you're willing to, you know, wait until what happens when Trump takes office in January, um, I'm not. I'm not going to wait. And, you know, people are waiting on Inauguration Day to do some things. Um, general strikes have been thrown around of doing such things in January, if not February. People are, are in their homes, in abandoned warehouses, in other places to talking about what we need to be doing next. And if you're not in those conversations, I highly suggest that you do that. Because if you don't, again, I'm sorry, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And, and the thing is, and, and we, we talk, a part of it, AJ, I think, is this. We talk a lot in the abstract when it comes to these sorts of things. We really do. We talk, you know the idea of a Supreme Court justice. And it's such an abstract idea that we don't really know what's going to happen until somebody is named. We talk about um, money going to certain civil services, stuff like that. We talk about rebuilding infrastructure, all of that stuff. And all of that stuff is important. Do not get me wrong. But what people aren't understanding, and I really don't think that they are, 
is that the President of the United States, with decisions that he makes, legitimately, this isn't exaggeration, a decision made in the White House can cost people lives. The wrong decision can actually have horrible consequences for the world. And I think a lot of us, in out of trying to avoid the fear that we're all feeling, don't like to think about it. But I, somebody pointed out, and, and, and I was listening to, uh, I do listen to other podcasts other than our own. There are several that I would recommend. But one of the ones that I really enjoy um, occasionally, sometimes they're awesome, sometimes they're bad, much like us, um, is Cracked. The website Cracked does a podcast, and it's fascinating. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's serious. Last week's episode was very serious, and it was people whose lives will actually be changed by a Trump presidency just based on the policies that he's talked about. And the number one, there, there were two that stuck out to me in that podcast. One was a young man. He was 24 years old. He'd lived in the United States since he was three years old. His parents were illegal immigrants. He's technically an illegal immigrant because he came over when he was a child. And he signed up for the DACA um, legislation, which is basically a path to citizenship legislation set up by executive order by President Obama. He is registered with the government as an illegal immigrant, but as a result of that, he got certain protections. He couldn't be deported, couldn't have anything else go on with him as a result of his standing. And the reason for that was he had done what he was told to do. Now, Trump has said that he will rescind that day one of his administration. Which means that this guy who's been living a normal, average life, has lived in America his whole life, does not speak Spanish, uh, I think his family's originally from Colombia, is literally under threat of, if he gets arrested or gets noticed by an authority figure under a Trump administration, could be deported and sent to Colombia where he has no family, he has no friends, he has no career prospects, he's just going to be dumped in a country because that's where he was from when he was three. That's fucked up. But I'll give you one even worse than that. There was a woman who they interviewed, a trans, uh, transgendered woman. I don't know. She's a woman. It doesn't really matter. But she was born a man, and she had started the, 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 the transitioning process a long time ago. Uh, part of that transitioning process, for those of you who don't know, involves taking massive amounts of hormones because as a result of either the surgery or other things that you have done, your hormones get really screwed up. And if you don't actually take the hormones... Um, it's not that the process stops or begins to reverse itself. You've already cut off the ability for you to produce testosterone at the level that you need to. So now if the Trump administration comes in and full throws out Obamacare the way that they're saying, she will lose access to hormones because she's getting it through Obamacare. If she loses access to that, her bones and her body will begin to break down because it will not have the proper chemical balance to maintain the transition that she's currently going through. And she can legitimately get, at a very young age, osteoporosis um, and go through a form of menopause that will legitimately destroy her body and she would die at a very, very young age as a result. Not to mention the fact that she could probably get blood poisoning from the brittle bones from the osteoporosis that would leak toxins into her system and actually cause her to legitimately die. Those are two people, but mainly this, the second one that I mentioned, this is a person who can die from Trump uh, policies, and he will put them into place because he doesn't, one, doesn't care about it, two, no one will bother to explain this to him because he's surrounded by a bunch of people who hate gays. It's fucked up. 
Like, people can legitimately die. And, and that's why when I see these people online who are gleefully like, oh, he's going to do all these things, and it's just like you are removing yourself from the human cost of what he's doing, and you should be ashamed of yourselves for doing it. There's a guy I worked with at the Evil Corporation when I was there, a very conservative dude, and he and I have been going at each other because he is so happy that Trump won, and I'm like, you don't understand. He's going to kill people. And his reaction has been basically the stance of, well, those aren't people that I care about. And I think, I think that that's the part that's really getting to me, is that there are a lot of people out there, AJ, who you can present them with the evidence of how bad things can be. You can show them legitimate human live costs, and they write it off as saying either you're full of shit or they don't give a shit. And in both of those instances, what you're telling me is that the cost of human life is less important to you than your weird conservative take me back to the 1950s public policy because you're white and you're straight and who gives a shit about anybody else anything you want to add on this topic before we move on to the final thing for our show today which is going to be um assholes in dc doing hitler salutes um, no i think what the one aspect that you talked about is that people that just don't care and, and i think that's the other main concern for me is that when you talk to people about you know various whether it's policy or try and change something, they don't view it in the best interest for the greater good. It's the best interest for themselves or for a business and everything, and that's really concerning. Um, whether it's um, Hobby Lobby not providing um, women's health. <laughs> Um, call them contraceptions, whatever you want to call them, but but not providing things for women that need various things um, is an issue. Just like Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, you know, stopped you know health insurance um a year, uh, two years ago, um, because they didn't want to pay for the insurance that would cover, um, you know, safe sex programs and their insurance and everything. So they not stop providing um, insurance for their students and everything. Um, Things like that, or you know, automation. Um, some of my friends and I are getting into this debate about you know, should there be complete automation so you know you can remove workers so they can focus on something else, or to automate because actually taking away jobs and that's the very thing that um, is the problem and everything. Everything that is decided on is based on the market and we need to stop thinking like that we cannot commodify everything we cannot look at the bottom dollar on everything because every decision that's being made is the cost of our existence and i want to say that one more time everything that is being decided on in the white house in the congress corporations or any even a small business is the cost of our existence when it comes to accessibility for food, for housing, just to get married, um, just to have recreational purposes, to get people better, health, um, health, emotional health, mental health, physical health. Everything has a cost to our existence, and it needs to fucking stop. And it's it's going to be exacerbated even more under Trump's regime. I'm curious. You and I have talked many times about, um, during the Bush administration, how we, both of us, um, 
tried to tell people, look, you can not like the guy, you can call him whatever you want, but he is still the President of the United States, and there is uh, a respect that has to be given to the office, even if you think the man in the office is a fool. And we've talked about that many times, and, and you know, you and I kind of come down on different sides of that issue a few times. I don't know if I can do it with this guy. I really don't. I don't know if I can treat somebody who is spurring on the, the, the hatred that so many people have and refer to him as President Trump. I don't know. If, we've got to respect the office. I respect the office of President of the United States. I even respected the fact that George Bush was president uh, in my lifetime. I would have treated Mitt Romney with that respect because as much as I hated Mitt Romney's economic policies, I did believe there was a fundamentally decent person underneath the money stuff. I don't believe that about Trump. I don't I don't know what to make of this guy half the time. And a lot of times that'd be okay, except for the fact that he's going to be in charge of everything. And what you were making is a great point. The commodification of, of, of everything is really what's caused the issue. I mean, the fact that we have people now investing in water. We have people investing in uh, clean air technology because of how bad things are going to probably get in the next 20 years. But what I've really been saying to people is this. A lot of you may not know this. I don't even know if you know this, AJ, but yesterday was my birthday. I turned 34. Um, I am very afraid that as I get older here, I am not going to enjoy 44 in the world that I currently live in. I, 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 I really think that as, as, as things are going on here, the world is not going to be a great place in 10 years. Uh, that we won't have the food that we have. We won't have the water that we have. We won't have um, access to resources that we have. And a Trump administration is going to quickly a- accelerate that because of the policies that they are going to put in place. And I think that there is no better example of how far this, situa- this situation can go down the toilet than to look at what they are now calling the alt-right, which I am just calling American Nazism, and these are these assholes who have been converging in D.C. holding white supremacist rallies and have been quoted as saying that most women supported Trump because they want to be taken by a strong man. Look at romance novels because they're an asshole. That Jeff Sessions might be negligent towards enforcing anti-discrimination laws or any of these other number of things. The fact that they stand next to, of all people, Tila Tequila is one of their big people who literally toasted a year ago, Sig Heil, with a hand to support the all I swear to god this stuff is 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 driving me crazy and I don't really know what the policy is going to be coming out of this I I, I, I always get kind of confused when people you know like Tila Tequila Tia Tequila it's not um, important it's not important that you get it right what? It is not important that she hasn't done anything to be worthy of you getting her name right. Like Shia LaBeouf. I'm just saying. I mean, she's helped people before. Ooh, Tila, whatever the hell? Yeah. In what way? I don't, I don't think I need to explain that. I think we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, when you have people like that who, like, you know to the Nazi salute or whatever. It's the same thing when, um, oh, a number of years ago, some of my friends and I, 
our friends and I got got together. We talked about when David Bowie did the same thing. You know, he actually wore a Hitler outfit with a swastika armband. You know, did his hair a certain way. It's like you know, there was a part part of Bowie who he was fascinated with fascism and everything. I mean, he never called himself a fascist or believe in the ide- the ideology of fascism. But, like, he wore the outfit. He actually was taking photographs and was doing, you know, the, the Nazi salute and everything. And um, a lot of people got upset over that because he fully should have known, you know, when he wears that, he knows what he's doing. When he's doing the salute, he knows exactly what he's doing, especially when he was in Europe doing this and everything. Um, so I've always, I'm always intrigued when people kind of look towards that and everything. I call myself a socialist, but I've never once have uploaded photos or nor do I have like uh, an old Soviet hat with the hammer and sickle on it, um, dressed to be uh, Joseph Stalin or um, Vladimir Lenin uh, or Brezhnev or Khrushchev or anything. You know, I just, because I know what that means in everything. Um, and just like I know when someone throws up the uh, Nazi salute or has the garb on, you know exactly what that means. And if you don't, then A, you're an idiot. Secondly, um, if you are knowing what that is and what that nonverbal communication radiates, then <laughs> uh, I think you have, I think we all know where, where you align yourself with and everything. Um it's, it's just really hard to talk to people um, who just supports that idea. And as I said before, uh, people just don't care. You know, they just don't care how, um, what their self-worth is, what other people's self-worth is, that is. Um, they, they, they just don't care about it, you know, because they're all selfish in everything. They're selfish because they want to see their business grow by any means necessary. They want to see... I've, I had... When I was president of student government in college, my vice president at the time, there was a very contentious, and it was very contentious, a five-month battle to get an LGBT organization going. And this was around 2002 at the time. Um, it was very contentious. It was, like I said, five months trying to get an LGBT student organization off the ground. My vice president was trying to stop that. Our student trustee to the board of the, the college board was against this, and they were campaigning not to have this and everything. Um, we voted in favor of it. It was a very small, it was a small margin, but we voted in favor of having the student org. My vice president resigned that moment really and he said and he said and i will never forget this and i've seen him from time to time in town since i've been back home he said this i will never forget this he said i do not want to tell my children one day why two men are holding hands now that right there is very impactful that someone who doesn't believe that 
two people love each other in their own way doesn't want to tell their own children why they're holding hands. And that what bothers me. And these are the same people who are voting voted for Trump in office. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just... There's a thing that... The world that we live in is a mean, bad place sometimes. And the idea that you are against two people finding love no matter where it is... I do not understand. Like, we all couldn't use a little bit more of it. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's so disheartening that it's, it's gotten to this point. And, you know, we can talk about, at some point in the next couple of weeks when we're doing our show, folks, I really want to get into this, uh, this rise in hate crime numbers that we've been hearing. Um, I'm not really sure what's true and what's not yet. It's kind of hard to pin down what's actually going on because there have been stories of, you know, supposedly a Trump supporter beaten on the street, and then they find out later there was actually just a mugging, and the person happened to have voted for Trump, but had no way of anybody for them to know that. You know, you've heard stories of, you know, gay people being beaten on the street by Trump supporters, supposedly, but you don't, right now, we don't know all of these stories, if they're true, if they're not, what's going on, and that's, we'll find that out. But I do want to say that anyone listening to this show, if you have people in your life that you disagreed with politically and if you're listening this long into the show chances are you're a democrat and the people that we're talking about are trump supporters i'm going to tell you something and that it's, it's kind of annoying don't surrender the fight there's there's this natural instinct amongst all of us that once the conversation gets to a certain level to stop and to say no i don't want to damage what's going on here and i and i don't want to and i understand that instinct but if you know that you are right and more importantly, if you can prove it, you got to prove it. We, I think part of the problem that a lot of progressives and liberals and social and everybody has had is we don't want to piss people off. We are the group, we are the party of trying to deliberately not piss you off because we feel like if we do that, we won't be able to get anything accomplished. But what I've started to realize, AJ, is if you keep playing that game long enough, people are allowed, people are allowed to flourish and win who shouldn't have it happen. So, I really, mm. but do you understand what I'm saying? Like it, it's it's the nat- yeah. it's the natural instinct to stop the argument because you don't want to piss people off. But at some point, you've got to piss people off. I, I and, and I'm and I'm done being polite about some of this stuff. If if you are a person who supports Trump because you believe in states' rights, if if you look at the person who's running the EPA who says the reason that he doesn't like the EPA is he thinks it should be done at the state level. I'm actually okay with that. I think that you're wrong because I think that the state because you don't understand how state government and state elections work, how Republicans have cornered the market on that to support big business. But if that is your argument, I can at least accept that. I still think that you're an idiot for voting for Trump, and clearly racism doesn't bother you because you voted for Trump. But that's at least an argument that I'm willing to hear. When I hear people saying that the reason they voted for Trump is because they are white and they think that they have been hurt on. I've got a, a, my roommate who I live with who constantly is arguing that, you know, I tried to explain to him that there's, there's this phrase that gets thrown about. It's called men's rights, right? You've heard of men's rights, AJ. It's part of what the alt-right platform is. And the idea is basically this. There are two ways that, they, that it's phrased. One is that men's rights have been diminished by political correctness and the fact that we're not that, that men aren't even allowed to say what they mean anymore. And I looked at him and I said, that is not a rights issue. And he looks at me and goes, what do you mean? It takes away my right to free speech. And I said, no, it doesn't. Free speech means 
you can say something and not be arrested for it. That is free speech. There is nothing in that amendment that says people have to like what you're saying. So these arguments that you're going to have with people, I, I swear to God, you got to look at them and go, no, that's not a right. You've got to explain the truth because the truth is getting demolished right now. We need truth. We need facts. And we need to be able to prove to people that those facts exist. So if you're going to have arguments with people, then God damn it, have the argument. Don't back down because you're afraid that you're making people at. If you are right and you can prove it, then prove it. I think that is the general point of what I'm trying to make. Anything else you want to say, buddy, before we get out of here today? No, because if I do, it's going to be a bonus note on men's rights activists. Yeah, we'll get to that probably next week or the week after that. Uh, we also want to get into a situation that I've become more aware of. It's a thing called PragerU. Go ahead, look it up. It'll destroy your faith in humanity. Um, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening and downloading our episode. This has been Out Front with AJ Nick. I am Nick Serranos, joined over the interwebs and Skype by AJ Sumeri. AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All those wonderful ways for you to get in touch with us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, the only phrase left for us to use this week is, um, oh, yes. We out! Go Cubs. Oh, you son of a bitch. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.